Eddie Aikau was born on the Hawaiian island of Maui on May 4, 1946, and was surfing the breaks of his homeland by the age of 16. He went on to become well known in the big wave surfing circuit. Eddie's the only surfer that I know that will take off on a monstrous 30 feet wave, dropping down with a gigantic smile on his face. I always ask him, why do you surf on those huge giant waves? You know, why do you do that? And he said, because Mari is like being in heaven, looking down on earth. His can-do attitude and skills in the water earned him the role of lifeguard at Waimea Bay. The first ever to be appointed to that role, he excelled, completing over 500 rescues and a record of not one life lost in his 10 years of service. To him, I think it was just important that um, one more person was able to leave his beach safely. He felt it was his responsibility to make sure that, that they got home okay. In 1978, Eddie took off with 15 other Indigenous Hawaiians to recreate the immigration of their Polynesian ancestors on the Hulkalea, a recreation of the vessel used by them centuries earlier. I think Eddie believed that Hokulea was a vehicle to carry pride and dignity and restoration of the Hawaiian spirit and the Hawaiian soul, and, and that he, I think that he felt that he needed to be a part of it to contribute to that. On the first night at sea, the Hokulea was smashed by a huge storm and the ship capsized. Six to eight foot swells and they're breaking over us. There were people that obviously were physically um, physically going down, and that was scary. That was scary. The following morning, with him and the other passengers clinging to the hull, Eddie convinced his captain to let him take a surfboard that was stowed on board and paddle to the mainland, some 12 miles away, to get help. I don't think anybody felt good about this uh, idea. I mean, uh, um, because the islands look so far away. Um, and you can see them, they look so far away and upwind. It just seemed like a last chance, last ditch attempt. Soon after he took off, a rescue helicopter arrived and winched the remaining passengers to safety. But even after the biggest search and rescue mission in Hawaiian history, Eddie was never seen again. The only thing I told Solomon was... Eddie is not coming back. He was going to try and save everybody. The captain shouldn't have let him go. But knowing Eddie, he's going to make you change your mind. In 1985, the inaugural Eddie Surfing Contest was held at Waimea Bay, where Eddie won his first competition in 1977. When officials were evaluating the 30-foot swell during the first day of competition and deciding whether or not to postpone, legendary big wave surfer Mark Fu remarked, Eddie would go. And so a new Hawaiian saying was born. To this day, the Quicksilver Eddie is only held when swells reach a minimum height of 20 foot. It's just under six metres for you and I. And in reverence to Eddie and his board skills, surfers can't use motorised craft to get them into the surf. They must use their own power. Today, on a special edition of the Mojo Radio Show, we welcome Solomon Aikau, Eddie's younger brother, chairman of the Eddie Aikau Foundation and keeper of Eddie's Flame.
So, Solomon, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Oh, well, thank you very much. It is a true honour in lots of different respects to have you here. Just when you think about your brother, how would you describe Eddie as a man? You know, when we talk about Eddie, it's it's like just like yesterday. Uh, although it's been it's been thirty years, um, but uh, it, it it just seems like yesterday. But as a man, Eddie was uh, an inspiration to to a lot of people. In uh, you know, for the kids of today, he's like a, he's a hero. Um, he did a lot of things that uh, selfishness. You know, he was uh, he was just he just did it because uh, you know he loved people and uh, uh, the life of people, and so you know he just cared a lot. Solomon, why why is it that a man like Eddie puts others before himself? I mean. When I look at the history of Eddie, he saved over 500 people. In 71, in he was named the Lifeguard of the Year. And he, he's a legend for his life-saving skills and what he did. And that was all about putting other people in front of himself. How does that come to be? Is that something that you noticed change in Eddie? Was he always like that? Well, you know, Eddie put himself, uh, you know, always, he, he always, when we were growing up, he was always the leader. He was always making sure that, uh, uh, because myself and my three other brothers and Eddie were, were about the same age, so we all did things together. And Eddie made sure that everybody was uh, okay with whatever, whatever we were doing. Uh, whether we were uh, working in the yard or we were surfing or or, or things like that, he made sure that that we were um, 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 all good. And you know, Eddie, first of all, um, Eddie just cared about people. He just cared about how they they perceive Hawaii. And then, you know, when he worked as a lifeguard, he wanted to make sure that that people were safe in uh, the beaches that he worked at. And, um, you know, he would sacrifice himself, of, of course, of which you know he did in the end. But, um, you know, it was just the caring of people and his culture that taught him that. And, and that's how he grew up that way with our parents. People mattered to him and, and their safety. And um, that's just how he was brought up. You mentioned Eddie and we lost Eddie some decades ago. Can you tell us the story of what happened that day when Eddie disappeared? Well, the Hokulea went out when we was going on a voyage to Tahiti, and the Hokulea is a double-hull canoe. And the Hokulea was tracing the ancestry or the history of uh, Hawaii, Hawaiians, how Hawaiians got to Hawaii uh, through their canoes. And so Eddie joined the crew of the Hokulea, and it, it was important to him to perpetuate the, the culture, our culture. But anyway, they went out, and in uh, gale force winds, the canoe overturned. And uh, being in the water for a number of hours, probably 12 to 14 hours, he decided to go for help because from the canoe, they could see two islands. And he felt that he could reach those islands and get help. 
for the crew of the Hukulea. So uh, what happened was uh, the captain finally said, yes, go ahead and try. And uh, so he paddled on a surfboard and tried to get to one of the islands. Uh, one was Lanai, this island we call Lanai, and the other one was called Molokai. So he was trying to try and get to either island. And, of course, in his attempt, you know, he was, he was, uh, you know, he, he, he was never found after that. But, um, but he tried. He tried to save his friends and his crew of the Hukuleas. And that's what happened to him. Do you think part of it, Solomon, was that he wanted to save the people on that vessel but was part of it also that it was the right thing to do for his Hawaiian culture, that as a Hawaiian, he believed he had to do that? It was just part of his soul to do it? Yeah, well, you know, Eddie, Eddie was, uh, you know, from his lifeguarding, his caring for people. And when he was on the whole clear, it's, uh, it's like a football team, right? You're one team, and he felt he had to do something to save, save his crew, save the people. So he tried, you know, he, he, he tried his best and, um, you know, he, uh, he just felt that he had to do that. I mean, there were circumstances that led to that. You know, there was uh, hypothermia, there was uh, sharks in the water, there was, um, you know, and in his mind, you know, and the hurricane, the winds, and, and uh, so there was, a lot of things going on that he thought, you know, in my mind, you know, if I'm talking to Gary, if in my mind is that he wanted to put people at ease, at least give his crew people some hope that um, um, help is coming. And uh, by him going that, I think he just wanted to give people more time to just hang on. Come on, guys, just hang on. I'll be back. And, uh, you know, an unselfish act. So, Solomon, I was in Waikiki and I was working on the Big Island and one evening we walked past the Quicksilver store and there was a massive poster up about the Quicksilver Eddie Classic. And the guy I was with talked about Eddie would go and from the moment he mentioned that, it stuck with me. And I end up next day going into the Quicksilver store. And I sat in the store and read a book that was called Eddie Would Go. Can you tell me what does that mean to Hawaiian people? And where did that saying Eddie Would Go come from? Oh, okay. Well, you know, the uh, those words... Uh, one day came from a surfer and you know how the boys sit around and talk and they said they were talking about big wave surfing and and then it just jumped out of his mouth and said Eddie would go. And that's how that phrase became became uh what it is. I mean it is uh you know, through his bravery in surfing and biggest waves and that's how you know that Eddie would go. And, you know, uh, and, you know, he applied it to his life, uh, you know, to help others, to share, to love, to honor family, you know, 
Um, Eddie would go is, you know, it, it means so many things, but, you know, in the, in the surfing world, and when you talk to a surfer, I mean, it's, he would ride in those days, the biggest waves that came in and Eddie was one to take off inside the peak, uh, and uh, that's how it came about that Eddie would go because he rode in those days the, one of the biggest waves that came through. So, uh, and that's how that phrase came about. Did he fear anything? I mean, you and Clyde, your other brother, are the same age as Eddie. You grew up, you hung out together. Probably no one knew him better than you guys. Was Eddie a guy that feared anything? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to answer that. Yeah, I, I, you know what? He was just a... Uh, uh, you know, when it came to big waves, it was not fear. It was excitement. It was excitement for him. Um, because I remember riding down to the beach and the waves are big and he's, he's just all pumped up, right? We would either, her, he would either Hershey bar in the car. When we reached the beach, he grabbed his board and he would just head out. Guys are waxing boards on the beach, but he'd go. So, you know, he was excited when the waves were big. And, and I think the guy was pretty fearless on the big waves. I mean, you know, maybe meeting uh, meeting uh, girls or uh, 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 things of maybe of that nature. Yeah, he was kind of kind of nervous. But, you know, when it came to the water and anything about the water, the guy was fearless. <laughs> Solomon, when I was over there uh, in Hawaii... I met with a lot of young generational Hawaiians who go back a long time in the culture of Hawaii and I spent a lot of time sitting with them and talking with them and I I absolutely loved it. And one of the things that a young girl called Sid talked about was mana. Can you describe your view of mana for a Hawaiian and was Eddie a guy who had mana? Mana means many things, but mana is... uh you know, strength. Uh, mana is just love for your your culture, your people, and that's why when you talk to the young people, we have to teach them that. We need they need to learn that. It's a very important word for our young ones to learn. It's funny. I was talking to a guy. Uh, we're at Pearl Harbor doing some work there. Solomon, and he said, if somebody walked up to me and said, you've got mana, he said, it would be the greatest compliment. He said, I live my life for someone else to acknowledge me, particularly someone who was an elder, and say, you've got mana. So I think there are those that still hold it in very, very high esteem. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. You know, for, you know, that word, like you said, I mean, it is, uh, it's telling you that you care. You know, it means you care. Mana is like you care about um, the struggles that the Hawaiians are going through. And that when somebody tells you that, like you said, you're a friend, I mean, that's a good thing because they know that you care or he cares. So, yes, it, it, I, I can see how your friend would be, would be happy that somebody told him that. Tell me something. Solomon, being so close to both Clyde and your other brother, Clyde and Eddie, and you say it was only like yesterday that you feel as though you lost Eddie, your brother. 
Where, when are the moments in a day or a week or moments in general where you feel the true spirit of Eddie in you that as a brother, the inspiration, not just from the love of having family, but the inspiration of a man who influenced you, where are those moments in your day or your life where you feel the presence of Eddie the most? That's a a hard one. You know, you know, like you say, our family was so close that um, Eddie is always in our thoughts. You know what he did for Hawaii and how people look up to him in Hawaii. And, you know, I mean, just as your brother, right? I mean, most people, they're never gone. They're always there. And when you say a moment in a day or, or, or a week, you know, I mean, it's every day you think about them. I've lost my parents and my other brothers, and, and they're always, I, I miss them all, all the time. So to answer your question, every day. Eddie was known as a famous Hawaiian waterman. And it's a, it's a term that I got from the book when I was sitting in Quicksilver in Waikiki and reading it. And I, I never, I'd never heard waterman before. Just describe, just to close for us, how do you describe a waterman, a Hawaiian waterman? Ah, uh, boy, you know, a Hawaiian waterman. Well, you know, not only that, he, uh, he knows all that you need to know about currents and water, and it's that you keep your 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 beaches, your areas where you oh we call it play, right? When we play in the water, that your areas are always clean. A waterman makes sure that that everything is pono pono, which is good. It means good uh, around your your area. You know, uh, besides the, the the word waterman, which we all look at as a surfer, a paddler, a, a swimmer, um, you know, and, but, you know, in our life, in our history as Hawaiians, there's, you know, the animals in the water that we have to take care of, the beaches that we have to take care of, things that surround the, the, the you know, the water, people in the water, make sure that they're okay. That's a waterman. A true waterman is enjoying himself and, when we all enjoy ourselves surfing, we make sure that the guy next to us is is fine and he's okay. So you know, like you know, being a waterman is uh, to me that's what it is. You also care about the guy next to you, and you make sure everything's fine. Solomon, it's been such a privilege to spend time with you and for you to share, you know, your memories and and the philosophies and the strength that your brother Eddie had. I um and we've got a sign up here in the studio that says Eddie would go. And it does. And the thing I love about it is because it 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 brings to life a story. It brings to life an action. It gets through excuses and it makes you move one step in front of the others and not just think about all the reasons that we choose not to do something. It's got real motion and emotion to it. So May, we really, uh, we're very privileged to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time out to share. I know it's a, a topic that's emotional for you, but um, if, you, if you were speaking to young children 
in any culture in anywhere in the world or parents who are bringing up children, what would you say to them in the spirit of Eddie? So Eddie would go is the sticker on the back of their car. What would you say to the parents and or the children? Wow. You know, we would say, well, first of all, love your kids, support your kids. Eddie was, was always a supporter of, of the uh, 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 young kids. He spoke at schools uh, to encourage the kids to do well. Uh, we, we, our foundation, myself and Clyde, go to the different schools and speak to them about Eddie and about uh, our foundation and what we do. Uh, but uh, encourage, you know, it's always how to encourage the, the, the younger generation to, uh, you know, uh, um, continue on and to just, just do, do well, do, uh, um, I, you know, I don't know the word, just try to be good, good, good people. Uh, uh, you know, but let, let me just tell you that it, it was my privilege also to uh, be speaking to you about, about our brother. You know, and I, like I told you when I wrote to you, it's always an honor to, to talk to people about Eddie. You know, and, you know, Eddie just wanted people to be proud, be proud to be who you are, be proud Hawaiians. He, I mean, he loved his people. He loved his culture. You know, he loved he loved uh, people all over. We have a lot of friends in Australia. You know, we have a lot of friends everywhere. And he just, you know, he was a proud man, and he just loved um he loved everybody. So, uh, and again, I want to thank you to uh, for calling me and wanting to know about our brother Eddie because I know that you guys love him as much as we do. So thank you. Thank you very much. The Mojo Radio Show. Here at the Mojo Radio Show, we've brought you plenty of stories of people who've sacrificed for others over the years. But to date, Probably none have moved us as much as Eddie's story. The words Eddie would go are now carved into the walls of the studio and are a mantra that we'll pass on to our own kids along with the legend of Eddie Aikau. Our hope in bringing you this story is that it will somehow, in some way, resonate with you as well and that the learnings you take from Eddie's life are as profound as ours. Finally, we'd like to dedicate this episode to the memory of Eddie. Without doubt, a true Hawaiian hero.
Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.